wife in this story called on her friends and her children to pray. This is a story of one where God hears and he sees and he even dispatches angels. Hollywood, far-fetched that an angel would come to help someone in need? It's not far-fetched for our God. Our God is well aware of his creation here on earth. He sees it all and he hears. He hears the prayers of his people. Before the Christ child arrived on that first Christmas morning, people were waiting and they were praying. Not so much different than the fictional Mrs. George Bailey. God saw all that was taking place throughout history. He saw all who were waiting on him. And he heard. There was a woman named Anna. She spent night and day fasting and praying in the temple of God, waiting for the Savior to be born. She was waiting for Jesus' arrival. And you know what? God dispatched angels. An angel was sent to a man named Zechariah to tell him, Zechariah, you are going to father a son. And you are to name this boy John. John is going to grow and he's going to prepare the people for the coming of the Savior. And what happened? It came to pass just like the angel had said. Zechariah's son was born and he grew to become John the Baptist, the one who was heralding the way for the ministry of Jesus Christ. That same angel that visited Zechariah and told him that he was going to have a son visited a young woman named Mary, told her, you're going to have a son. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to be on you and you are going to conceive and you're going to give birth to one who will be called the Son of God. Angels visiting people. Angels dispatched because someone's praying. Another angel visited Joseph, the man who would become Mary's wife or husband. And the angel told Joseph that his fiancée, Mary, was pregnant by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the angel told him she's going to give birth, she's going to have the son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he is going to save his people from their sins. God sees, he hears, and sometimes he even sends an angel. He's been doing this since the beginning of time. We can go all the way back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and see God hearing, seeing, dispatching angels. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to that first book of the Bible and consider an early account of God's seeing and God's hearing. It's the account 
of Abraham and his wife, Sarah. They were known as Abram and Sarai before God changed their name. And this couple is introduced in Genesis chapter 12. Early on in the account, we read this. This is Genesis 12, verses 14 and 16, about this couple, Abram and Sarai. It says, when Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abram well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants, and camels. So this man, Abram, was blessed. He was blessed by the Pharaoh of Egypt. And we learn that he acquired wealth. He acquired great flocks, as well as slaves, male and female servants from Egypt. Now later in the account, at the open of Genesis 16, some time has gone by, and we meet one of these servants, one that it's highly likely came to Abram and Sarai when they were in Egypt. And let's read about this person. Let's read about this servant. It's in Genesis 16 at the open, verses 1 to 6. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai took Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So this is what we know about this servant, this slave named Hagar. She was a slave to Abram's wife. And what would that mean? Well, she had to do the bidding of her mistress. Whatever Sarai said, she had to do. What rights did she have? She had to be at the beck and call of the one who was over her. And then she's told, you are gonna be a wife to my husband. Here's another time she's got no choice. And she had to Sleep with Abram. Now think about that. This man is 85 years old. And how, how old is Hagar? Well, she's childbearing age. That's quite a disparity in age. Picture yourself maybe as this young woman. And how would you feel being told this is what you have to do? And guess what? 
you don't have a choice. And then she, she became pregnant. Well, no wonder she was upset. She had to go with this 85-year-old man, pushed into a relationship she didn't want. And now she's carrying his child, and she's upset. She began to despise Sarai, her, her mistress. What had she done wrong? It seems that the, the circumstances of Hagar's life, be, they just stacked up against her. I don't know what it was in Egypt, but for whatever reason, she was given as a slave to Abram and Sarai. Ten years now, she's served them. And she's pregnant with her master's son. And what did she do? She ran away. She fled. And I think we could probably have some sympathy for that. Given the circumstance, given the turn that life had taken for her, she decides, I'm leaving. Enough of this. Life will be better on my own. Her account continues. There's more. Let's pick it up in Genesis 16, 7. After she fled. It says, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from? And where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will become too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now pregnant and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand will be against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son. And Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. So how did things go for Hagar? Did life get better? It seems things went from bad to worse. All the things she endured as a slave, being forced to uh, carry the child of a man way advanced in age above her. She runs away out into the desert, wandering around, finds herself finally a spring where she can get some water, and she meets there the angel of the Lord. Now this is in an encounter with no mere angel, but it's the Lord himself. This is a pre-incarnate Jesus making himself known to Hagar, and she acknowledges that. She calls him the Lord. 
And what does the Lord say to her? Go back. Turn around. You're miserable. Go back to your misery. Go back to your master. And hey, you're going to be blessed. Your descendants are going to be innumerable. Too many to count. Now there's a good thing. Maybe there's a silver lining in this after all. You're going to have a son. And guess what? He's going to be a donkey of a man. Wow, how's that? She's riding high for a second there, and then that's got to crash her down, don't you think? He's going to be constantly hostile. Yep, there you're going to have a little boy. He's going to, everybody's going to be against him. He's going to be against everybody. Wow, there's a, there's a great thing, right? That ought to carry you. So encouraging. Yet she responded to God. She saw the Lord. She met the Lord. And despite him saying, you have to go back to some tough things, there's still some blessing in it. There's still some purpose in it. And she heard him, and she turned around, and she went back to Sarai and Abram. And in her encounter, there are two attributes of God that we just cannot miss. We can't miss them. Number one, first is God hears. God hears. God said, you will give birth to a son, and you shall name him Ishmael. For the Lord has heard of your, your misery. And what does Ishmael mean? Ishmael means God will hear. And when you see that L in a name, it's a hint. It has something to do with God. In Ishmael, it means God will hear. The Lord had heard of, Sarah, uh, of Hagar's misery. But who did he hear? We don't read that she was praying to the Lord. She was an Egyptian, a pagan. We don't know how much Abram or Sarah even taught her about the Lord. We don't read that she was praying to the Lord, yet we read the Lord heard of her misery. Who? Heard who? Who was praying for this woman? Well, if we look back on the conversation that Abram had with his wife, Sarai. How did that conversation go? Sarai said to Abram, your fault, you did this, you're responsible, I'm suffering, my slave is all against me, She's, she is just despising me, and I can't take it anymore, your fault. Really? Wow. Wow, who, who pushed this slave into his bed? I mean, was it Abram saying, hey, maybe we should push along God's plan. We don't have kids. Give me your slave. Yeah, that's how it went, right? That's not what I remember reading. I thought it was Sarai doing the pushing. I thought it was her plan. She was the one who hatched this scheme. Hey, take my slave. Maybe we can have children through her. And when it didn't go well, she blamed her husband. She blamed Abram, and she said, may the Lord judge between you and me. Oh, that's some pretty tough words there. 
Abram said, okay, do what you will. Have your way. And she mistreated the woman to the point where Hagar ran away. I think this might have spurred Abram on to pray. After all, he didn't push any of this and now there's this real trouble, strife in the family. His wife is saying, may God judge between you and me. And I can picture him praying to the Lord, Lord, Hagar has been mistreated. She's run away. She's out there in the wilderness. Look after her, Lord. Take care of her. Life circumstance hasn't been the greatest for her. Who'd want to be born to be a slave and then be pushed into an old man's arms to have children? No wonder she ran away. She's miserable. God be with her. God look after her out there in the wilderness. And what should this remind us of? But to pray for others who are in misery. Pray for others who are lost. Hold up those who are wandering. And they're out in the wilderness. And they're dealing with circumstances that maybe they didn't plan or they couldn't control. And trust that God hears. God hears and he will respond at the right time. His time. Hagar learned God hears. For the Lord himself said to her, I have heard of your misery. And number two, she learned God sees. Hagar said, you are the God who sees me. I have now seen the one who sees me. God not only heard of her misery, he was watching, he saw her. And once again, like Ishmael, has a meaning. And it means the God who hears. Hagar named the spring where she found water with a name that had meaning to her experience. Beer Lahai Roy, she named the well. And that means the well of the living one seeing me. Because God saw her. God saw her when she was a slave in Egypt. God saw her when she had to become the worker for Sarai. God saw her when she was pushed into Abraham's hands and had to bear a child. God saw her when she was mistreated by Sarai. God saw her when she ran and she fled trying to put her circumstance behind her. There is no place you can go. There's no place where God cannot see and there's no situation that he cannot discern. God sees it all. And scripture from that time in Genesis on declares to us that God sees. God sees everything. God sees everything. For he who looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens, Job declared. And God sees not just everything, he sees 
everyone. Psalm 33 says, for the, for, from heaven the Lord looks down and sees all of mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on the earth. He sees everything, he sees everyone, and he sees all we do. For his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he sees all his steps. That was Elihu in the book of Job. He sees everything, everyone, all we do, and he sees evil that's done in secret. The Lord says in Isaiah 29, woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord, who do their work in darkness and think, who sees me? Who will know? God knows, because God sees. He sees evil done in secret, but he also sees good done in secret. And when Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what the right's doing, for your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Jesus speaking of doing good and giving. God sees it, he sees it all. Everything, everyone, all we do, evil in secret, good in secret. God sees and God hears. So why the pain? Why the problems? Why the suffering? Why if he hears and he sees, does he allow it to persist to the point where maybe we turn around and run away from it all? Why would we have lives like Hagar? Or why would we have lives like the fictional George Bailey who wanted to throw it all away because he thought, I'm worth more dead than alive? Why isn't it a wonderful life all the time? We want help, of course. And we want it instantly, don't we? We want it now. And it seems when we want it now, that's when God says, I'm working something out. And it's gonna take some time. Because he's working something that's not necessarily going to be wonderful in our eyes for this life. He's working something wonderful, a wonderful eternal life. God is working things for eternity. And so patience, perseverance, faith, development of trust, it happens here so that we can have a wonderful eternal life. God's working something eternal. In the plight of Hagar, see that. See it and know that God sees and hears. Even in her misery, God saw and he heard. He saw what was going on in the world as the world awaited the promised Savior. He saw an elderly couple, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who had never had children. He saw them and he, he heard a prayer. And when we want an instant answer, we might wonder, does God really see? Does he hear me? Remember not only Hagar, but remember Zechariah. We are told in the Gospel of Luke that this couple was childless because Elizabeth and her husband were advanced in years. They were advanced in years. They were both very old. 
Yet we read this in Luke chapter 1, verse 13. But the angel, as I said, he was visited by an angel, but the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Wonderful, awesome, an answer to prayer. Let me ask you a question about this prayer of Zechariah. Anyone in this room, 60 or above, who's praying for a child? Who's praying to get pregnant here, 60 and above? I don't see any hands. These people were advanced in age. Who's praying for a child? The angel comes and says, Zechariah, the Lord has heard your prayer. Was he on his knees that morning? Oh, Lord, grant that Elizabeth would conceive. I don't know. I don't think so. Doesn't really make sense, does it? I doubt that Zechariah had been praying for a child anytime near when the angel had paid him a visit. But look in your mind's eye. You'll see that honeymoon night. And then the years go on, and they're childless. Oh, yeah, they're in their early years. They're praying. They're praying maybe every day. But 20 years go by, 30 years go by. And that prayer probably waned. You know, I would guess that when the reality of the situation came in and Zechariah said, God in his wisdom has kept us childless, that the prayers would stop. Because again, I ask, who here who'd be 60 or 70 years old or more is praying to have a child? But the angel said, your prayer has been heard. Your wife is going to conceive. And Zechariah did not say, wow, I was just praying this morning. No. He was stunned. He said, how can this be? I'm an old man. And my wife is well along in years. That's verse 18 in Luke 1. So what does it tell us? You know, when you pray, it doesn't seem there's an expiration date. You know, you may have prayed something five years ago. Maybe you prayed 10 years ago. You were looking for that instant answer. You wanted it then. You needed it then. You were, you were travailing. And things like this for, for a child, of course, because you know the clock is ticking. And you're praying and praying. And yet, it seems nothing happens. But here an angel shows up. It says your prayer was heard. Yeah, but God's got a different timetable, doesn't he? He's working things out according to his plan and to his purpose. The prayer was heard. You can count on that. And he saw Zechariah and Elizabeth and he answered and as many waited for that coming Savior, Jesus, God saw and heard. It was hundreds of years, but he heard prayers. And he saw the waiting. He heard prayers like a woman, Anna, who was 
85 years old in the temple and she'd been there for years praying day and night, fasting and praying. But God heard and he sent an angel. He sent an angel to Mary and he sent an angel to Joseph and then he sent Jesus for all of us. It was his perfect timing. His perfect timing. It's confirmed in Galatians chapter four where the apostle wrote, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship. And the wonderful life that God has planned, it may not seem exactly wonderful now. We feel pain. We've got contention in our lives like Hagar and Sarai. You know, we have issues like Zechariah and Elizabeth. We might have someone against us like Jesus had his Judas. You know, with life in the fallen world comes hardship and pain. But it's wonderful. And it can be wonderful when you know you've received eternity through Jesus Christ. You know that you've been redeemed from the penalty of sin and you've been adopted, as the word of God says, as a child of God. And you can be assured that in Christ, eternity awaits where the hardship of this life will be over. Until then, know this. God sees and God hears. And when you're in Christ Jesus, your wonderful life has begun in him. And let's close our service this morning in prayer, knowing that God sees and that God hears. We've kept our requests to the end this morning because we we want to pray for all who've turned in a request, all who have a need, and if you have a, a need on your heart, know it that God sees you. Know it that God hears you. And we, we want you to make your requests known, too. We have out in our foyers, on either side, as you leave, whether you go left or right, you'll find at the ends of the lobby, a prayer station where you can make your requests known. There's, there's little red cards and you can write down a prayer request and just pin it up there. And if you want it private, just turn it around. If you want it out for others to see, face it forward. And there's some, there's some white cards too. If you want to express a testimony that God's answered answer a prayer and you want to give him praise, write it down on the white card. And we as a ministry staff, are going to take time each week to walk through those foyers, to stop at those places, to pray over those needs, believing that God sees and that God hears. And let's pray this morning as we close this service. So if you would stand, and I have some needs that I want to bring before you. And if you have a need, know God sees and God hears. I want to pray for uh, Dolores Braxton. She's 90 and she has some health concerns. And she's asked too that we pray for her family. Re 
Rebecca Klug's grandmother, Rose, who's 94, was admitted to the hospital for an infection. Ken Mazzola's mom, Constance Zeger, she has lung cancer and uh, is now taking morphine to help with pain. Not sure how long this will last, and the family has decisions to make. Reverend Phyllis Nelson is having trouble with her left knee and very difficult to walk. Uh, we're asked to pray for Pam, whose father recently died. We met Pam, at not, not me, but one of our groups as we were out caroling last night in the neighborhoods. One of the groups met Pam and received that prayer request. We want to pray for the Stockman family. Um, Mel Stockman uh, passed, and uh, he's going to be in state at the Calcutta Funeral Home tomorrow. Nine until 11, there'll be a service at the funeral home tomorrow. And that's at the 25-mile in uh, Van Dyke location of Wujek in Shelby Township. We also want to pray for Richard Ikes. Richard was here this morning for his Sunday morning class, but he was taken by ambulance to the hospital, and uh, they're going to be checking him over for some heart things. But we know God hears, and God sees. And does anyone have a need in the, in the house this morning? Anyone have a need? No. Trust that God hears and God sees. Let's close our service in prayer and take time as you go this morning to, to write down these needs because we're gonna take it seriously and we are gonna go through these, uh, these, this lobby every week as a ministry team to pray for those needs. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray over these needs that we have this morning. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for showing us. Lord God, you're the God who hears, and you are the God who sees. Lord, you showed us that from the, the beginning, the earliest pages of Scripture, all the way to the end. Lord, you know. You know us. You see us. And you desire that we would reach out to you. Lord, that we would make our requests known. That we would come humbly but boldly to your throne of grace. And make our requests known to you. So God, we do that this morning. Humbly at your throne. To ask for your grace to fall on the ones that we've mentioned. That need help, God. They need physical help. Lord, they need the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Because they've lost loved ones. Lord, they are reeling. They are having hearts broken. They're in pain. But Lord, we know that you see the misery and that you can respond from heaven above. And even at times, you may dispatch an angel to minister. Lord, I pray, Lord, for all those in this house right now that have a need, God, that have a need on their heart that they've mentioned to you. Be that God that sees and hears for them, Lord. Carry them and help them. Lord, as, as these needs are entrusted to you, we ask and pray, God, that at your perfect time, Lord, at your perfect time, you would respond. And if you're working something out in our lives, whether it's patience, perseverance, development of trust, God, help us and reveal that to us and show us, God, and carry us and grow us, Lord, in you. Thank you, God. Thank you for the hearts that are here. Thank you for our time together in, in our communion service. Help us to stand on Jesus 
our Lord and Savior who has promised us a life more abundantly because it's an eternal life in him. And thank you, God, that we can receive that wonderful life. We look forward to Christmas morning and celebrating his birth. Until then, God, keep all who are here. And raise your hands for the blessing of God. Lord God, bless everyone here. Bless them and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and be gracious unto them. Lift up your countenance upon each one and grant them peace. And may the peace of God that passes understanding keep every heart and every mind and every soul through our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.